You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Dan Feldman here. Welcome to Locked On Pistons. You can follow Locked On Pistons on Audio Boom or subscribe on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Feldman NBA. Zach Lowe of ESPN published a fantastic article about the Pistons today. He was in Auburn Hills getting info about the team, seeing them up close. Uh, and this is what he produced. I highly recommend checking out the article before listening to this podcast. Uh, most, maybe even all of this podcast is going to be about uh, discussing this article, uh, some things he said, what we learned, and what we can take from it. Uh, but this is definitely meant more to uh, supplement his article uh, than be a stand-in for it. So I highly recommend you check it out. Uh, if you don't read Zach Lowe regularly, you should. Uh, and this is a great opportunity if you're a Pistons fan to get into him. If you already read him regularly, uh, you probably already know this. But for my money, he's uh, the best NBA reporter of all time. And I don't mean that as an exaggeration. Uh, yesterday, when we were talking about whether Andre Drummond should make the All-Star game. I said pretty plainly, and I meant it, that I don't like to come up with hot takes just to have a take. If I have opinion, I'll give it to you. If I don't, I'll acknowledge that. And I don't have a real opinion over whether Drummond should make the all-star game. There are several players right in that mix. And if it's him, great. If it's not, that's fine too. I do not feel strongly whether it should be him or one of the, any of the other players right in that mix. The, the margin is so narrow. I do have an opinion about this though. Uh, Zach is fantastic. His ability to break news, integrate that with analysis that nobody else can touch use video, use whatever he can to explain it, explain it clearly. It's always well-written. Uh, it's excellent. This is right up there. Highly recommend reading the article first, but now let's get into it. The big headline to generate from this article is that the Pistons have explored Andre Drummond trades. Yes, Andre Drummond, franchise player. Pistons have explored those trades, according to Lowe. And you know what Van Gundy's response is going to be if you've been listening here or to Van Gundy anywhere else. It's that... Yes, of course they've explored Andre Drummond trades. They've explored trades for every player on the roster. And the better players generate more discussions because that's who other teams call about. And that's true. The fact that Lowe included that in this piece, though, suggests that maybe there's a little more to this. It doesn't mean there's more to it. Uh, but I do think there is a tendency for when this stuff comes out for good reporters like Lowe, where they're trying to mention it only if there's a little more substance to it. Uh, one thing Lowe says that we know to be true is that the Pistons haven't found any any return that satisfies them. Uh, the way he Lowe words it is the Pistons have been, quote-unquote, disappointed in the return. I don't know if that's because they thought, hey, let's see if we can trade Drummond for a ton. Like, let's see if somebody just blows our socks off and, hey, Sure, why not trade him if we can do that? But with the intent of, hey, it's probably going to mean we end up keeping him at the end of this process. Or whether the rest of the league, if the Pistons were surprised to find out what the rest of the league thinks of Drummond and if it's less than what the Pistons do. Remember, Stan Van Gundy didn't draft Drummond. I do think Drummond had something to do with Van Gundy taking this job, seeing the success Van Gundy had with Dwight Howard and maybe that he could replicate it and that gave him some confidence. And uh, I do believe a belief in Drummond had something to do with it. Uh, so did the dual titles and five-year, $35 million contract from Tom Gores. But the, the presence of Drummond, I think, was a factor. The Pistons have been building around Drummond for years. Uh, so it's ingrained. It's part of the culture that Drummond is very important. 
other teams might not feel that same way and their trade offers might reflect it. I do think there's sort of a natural equilibrium where players get to the teams that value them the most. Sometimes circumstances can change. Sometimes a new GM comes in and hasn't had a chance to build his team. But over time, I think players gravitate toward the teams that value them the most. Those teams offer those players the most in free agency. They they offer their the other teams the most in a trade package for them. They draft them the highest. Uh, so there is this equilibrium point. And maybe that equilibrium point just means Drummond is going to be in Detroit. But the, that the Pistons are looking to trade him or looking into trading him, however serious they are, uh, that's a little bit of a wake-up call from from what we've come to expect, where Drummond really seemed like the untouchable piece on this roster. Uh, Lowe also notes that Reggie Jackson is on the block. Yeah, I don't think that's breaking news around here. Uh, we, it feels like we talk about Reggie Jackson trades every day. Uh, Lowe digs deeper into the Drummond-Van Gundy relationship and sort of does it through Tom Gores. And Gores is close with both of them, uh, and he talks with each about the other, uh, Drummond didn't really want to get into it with, with Lowe about what he said, uh, but, but I thought this quote from Van Gundy was interesting. Quote, I think we like each other personally. Like most young bigs, he needs to be pushed really hard. Sometimes he's more willing to hear, co- hear hard coaching than others. End quote. Van Gundy is in this rare spot where he's coaching the team, where he's interacting with Drummond every single day. And then can also trade him. Only a few guys in the league have that that dual president coach title. And it sets up for some potential pitfalls. And this is down the road of where you might get to one. Because I do believe that, yeah, they get along well enough, but I'm sure it drives Stan Van Gundy nuts. Drummond's bad habits, how his effort isn't always there, how his defensive focus can slip. And we'll get more to the defensive side and defensive strategy with Drummond later. Uh, I'm sure that bothers Van Gundy every day. He also has to show the restraint to see this is a long-term relationship. Drummond is just 23, and this is where Tom Gores comes in. Because Tom Gores is close with both, I think Gores is going to keep this from from devolving, uh, make it harder for Van Gundy to trade Drummond. I don't think uh, Gores would necessarily put a... Uh, a ban on trading Drummond, but I think Gores would expect a very high return for him to sign off on that deal. Drummond is that type of franchise player who has that relationship with the owner, which means even if Gores for the most part defers to Van Gundy and Van Gundy defers to Jeff Bauer on some things, this is the type of move where the owner comes in. You can't trade Andre Drummond without Gores being involved. Gores being close with Drummond and Van Gundy. I think that means they're, they're going to have to ride this out. That's not the worst thing. Van Gundy is a good coach. Drummond is young. There's plenty of upside left here. How much upside is left with Reggie Jackson? Well, that's another topic. I do believe Jackson is better than he's played this year. Is he as good as he looked for most of last year? I'm not so sure. Maybe. I tend to think so that once he gets healthy, once he has a full training camp, I tend to think he's about where he was last year. Maybe it's a little disappointing that that it looks less likely he'll progress from that. Uh, but I do tend to believe that's about where his his state is when he's healthy. Uh, but getting getting there is going to be tough. One thing Zach Lowe reported was was that Reggie Jackson, when he came back shortly after he came back, and the Pistons had that team meeting, the 
team meeting my ass, as Stan Van Gundy put it. One of the big complaints that came up is that the Pistons were hiding Reggie Jackson on the uh, lesser of the perimeter defenders, forcing Contavious Caldwell-Pope usually to defend the, the opposing point guard to cross-match. Uh, and his Reggie Jackson's teammates really let him hear, hear it about that. Uh, one thing that Andre Drummond said was, I'm going to give you two quotes. The first one, quote, the way they came at Reggie wasn't cool. You can't beat a guy up for not playing at 100% right after coming back. Guys who have played with pain, you think they would be more sensitive. And then here's the other Andre Drummond quote. Quote, Reggie is my best friend. I'll always have his back. We're going to figure this out. End quote. So this, this gives you a little bit of an insight to where Drummond is with this. And as long as he's the franchise player, that's going to say something about Reggie Jackson's future with this team. And I do generally agree with Drummond. And I don't think it's really fair to criticize Jackson for that. For one, the Pistons are just doing a strategy that's most effective. Yes, I think Reggie Jackson can be a better defender. His, his length and mobility and strength, he should be a better defender than he is. And a lot of that's effort. But the Pistons' best course of action is often going to be having KCP on the point guard. That's just what it's going to be. He's very good at that. Like, take advantage of the skill KCP has. And the Pistons were doing this a lot last year when Reggie Jackson was healthy. And so, yeah, my general thought is the Pistons, Reggie Jackson's teammates did not do a good job of when he came back, and this is another example of it, of trying to stick up for him, of trying to have his back, of trying to, you know, elevate their play to make up for his lackluster play as he was getting back into the swing of things. Instead, it was like very quickly finger pointing at Reggie Jackson. Uh, some of that offensively too about the ball movement, this defensive example that low reported that's sort of new to the public arena here. Well, this to me points to a bigger problem. The bigger problem is that Reggie Jackson, the team's point guard, uh, seemingly the team's, second most important player if everything is going according to pl- according to plan which it's clearly not Reggie Jackson has not earned the trust of his teammates he has not gotten them to buy in behind him where they want to rally in support of him where they want to play hard when he's down when he can't give his full effort because of lingering effects of this injury Maybe they're right to feel that way. Maybe they're not. But to me, that's the bigger disconnect, the wider thing the Pistons need to address and Reggie Jackson needs to address is why his teammates aren't following him, why he's not leading them to where they want to rally behind him. That, that's some of the problem. And again, that's not necessarily Reggie Jackson's teammates' fault. That could be Reggie Jackson's fault uh, for not doing the right things to, to have them get his back. And one thing that came out in this article uh, was just sort of about Reggie Jackson's mindset and all this. Uh, Here's a Reggie Jackson quote. uh, Quote, it's hard. Stan told me it would be all pick and roll. We had success that way. Now we didn't know what we were. Are we a pick and roll team? Are we a movement team? We didn't have an identity. End quote. And Lowe talks about how uh, Jackson says, look, in an ideal world, uh, it'd be pick and roll on every play. And he'd lead the Pistons to a championship. That's like his goal. And then he talks with Van Gundy a decent amount about his role in the offense, especially his role in the fourth quarter and what that can be. That doesn't differentiate Reggie Jackson from most players. He has pretty much every player in the league what their ideal is. And it's that they are starring 
and playing the game they are most comfortable with on a good team. And for a few players, they don't have to compromise. The Rockets, for example, are at their best when James Harden is playing his game. And they're going to build everything around James Harden because he's that good. That's going to be the best thing for the Houston Rockets. Most players have to compromise. You know, all, some have to make more, bigger compromises than others. You know, to take it to an extreme, Darren Hilliard, I'm sure, would love to have the ball in his hands every play and lead the team to a championship. That would be his ideal. His compromise is he has to sit most nights. It's a compromise a lot of players have to make. And then what comes up, what the issue is, is how they deal with it. Do they complain? Do they bend more toward what their team needs? Do they bend more toward the individual style they'd prefer to play? How do they find that balance? How do they accept it? And that's something Reggie Jackson is going through. Uh, because the Pistons have discovered when he's playing like this, they're really not at their best running so many pick and rolls through him and Andre Drummond. They'll still do that a lot, uh, but it's not as much as it was. And that's something Reggie Jackson is dealing with, and I understand uh, that's not exactly what he wants. It can be difficult. But it's to the point now where he needs to prove it a little bit first. He needs to prove that he can be better, that he can get to the rim and attack and distribute and, and score himself at the rim. He needs to prove he can do those things better. And if he does, I'm sure the Pistons will give him more responsibility. But it's not going to come the other way. He's sort of lost the benefit of the doubt. Fairly or not, that's where it is. He's got to deliver first. All right, that's sort of the look into the offense. Let's talk about the defense. Uh, one thing Lowe reported that excites me a lot, at least long-term potentially, uh, is that the Pistons spend a lot of training camp trying to have a more aggressive defense where Drummond would come up more in the pick and roll and, and pressure the ball handler and hedge and instead of just dropping back. And the Pistons have, in previous years, run a pretty conservative defense. They're running a pretty conservative defense this year. Stan Van Gundy has run pretty conservative defenses uh, in his past. And I just sort of thought that's what the Pistons wanted to be. I don't necessarily like that. I think there's room to be more aggressive, to gamble a little more. And apparently so does Stan Van Gundy. So as long as he's in charge, it seems like uh, they're heading in that direction. The problem seems to be Drummond just isn't comfortable with it, isn't really doing it, is coming back too often, just dropping back into the paint, uh, which just really isn't working. He needs to play with more defensive aggressiveness, go after shots, go after block shots, go after steals. He has the size and athleticism to make some really impressive defensive plays. Uh, just trying to drop back, it just leads to a, a passiveness that's not good for him, not good for the Pistons. And so I, I do hope this message eventually takes hold, uh, but it is at least encouraging to know the coaching staff is trying to get this going in a direction that I think is healthy for this team, for this set of players. Uh, you look at the Pistons, who could be pretty good in transition, especially Contavious Caldwell-Pope. I think there's a, a high payoff to gambling more defensively and being more aggressive on that end uh, because what the Pistons have been doing lately hasn't been working. Their defenses uh, started off fine, turned bad, and has only rebounded somewhat since then. All right, last, uh, last couple notes from the low article that I want to dig deeper into. Uh, one, and these are similar, uh, one, according to Lowe, the Pistons were almost deadlocked 
in the 2015 draft between Stanley Johnson and Devin Booker. You can look back in the Locked on Pistons archives. I had a podcast with Patrick Hayes digging deeper into this draft, into the questions. Both Patrick and I really wanted Justice Winslow. Pistons passed on him. Uh, Devin Booker would have been the right choice. I mean, at this point, that's really inarguable. You redo the draft, he would have gone much higher. He looks awesome for the Suns. I, to be fair, though, he's really become the best-case version of what it appeared he might be coming into the draft. He had a very limited role at Kentucky, which made it a little harder to evaluate him. There were some major question marks about you know, how good of a ball handler he could be. How, you know, how good of a distributor he could be. He's doing all right at those things. He's, he's a little more dynamic than being just the spot-up shooter he was so often at Kentucky. It seemed possible with his athleticism he could, but without having seen it, you couldn't necessarily say, yep, he absolutely can. Well, he has. He's been the best-case version. Uh, the Pistons would be in better shape if they had Devin, had Devin Booker. Do you believe this report, though? I sort of do. I think Lowe has the relationships and the uh, the judgment to publish this only if it were true. I trust him on this. However, however, the time the Pistons, you know, were debating between, you know, just making up an example, but like. Andre Drummond, whichever bust followed him three picks later. And, and I'm using this purposefully as a made-up example because this clearly wasn't the case. The Pistons were enamored with Drummond. But any time a team is debating two draft picks and they make the right choice, you never hear about the wrong choice they almost made. They never leak that. Uh, so this is very a, a selective thing. Don't read too much into that. I also wouldn't read too much into this final point that I want to address. According to Lowe, uh, several teams, including the Spurs, tried to trade for Stanley Johnson after the Pistons uh, benched him, suspended him, demoted him, did all those things earlier in the season. Uh, the Pistons held firm and obviously didn't trade him. And that that's probably the right move. We don't know what those offers were, but I find it hard to imagine those teams were offering sufficient return. That's what teams do, including the Pistons, including every team. When it looks like a player is being undervalued, Stanley Johnson's young and talented and has a lot of promise. When it looks like a player is being undervalued, you call and see what it takes to trade for him. See if that team is really that sour on him. And the Pistons aren't. They weren't. Uh, they, <laughs> they weren't thrilled with what, how he was doing, but they still weren't going to rush to trade him. Uh, but the fact that he got interest, including from a very smart team like the Spurs, maybe that's a nice little indicator that that Stanley Johnson could still be all right, that there's still a decent amount of faith in him around the league despite everything else that has gone wrong. Again, really highly recommend checking out this entire article. Uh, I think it's very interesting. Hope I could add a little to it, a little context, a little discussion. Pistons play the Mavericks tonight, last game before the All-Star break. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. You can follow Locked on Pistons on Audio Boom or subscribe on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Feldman NBA. Thanks for listening.